Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. Drilling Deep is the place in the Freightcast family of podcasts and the shows on Freightways TV where we talk about oil and we talk about diesel and you need to drill to get oil and you need oil to get diesel and you need diesel to run trucks. And that's why we call it Drilling Deep. Our guest this week is Justin King of Transflow. He's going to be here to talk about a lot of things uh, for what's going on in his company and automation and uh, app fatigue. It's a good discussion. I'm going to talk now about diesel because you know what? I think I've had to talk about diesel every week now for I don't know how many weeks. You know, when I first started doing Drilling Deep, I would talk about some some sort of broader macroeconomics about oil. Uh, I don't have time for that anymore. We don't have the opportunity because we really need to talk about what's going on in diesel markets. We particularly need to talk about what went on this week because I'm recording this on Thursday. Show is a reports on Friday. And this week, in the first part of the week, prices went up uh, almost about 45 cents a gallon on the futures exchange. And I think what was most important was what happened on Wednesday, because the price of diesel soared more than 4%, even while the price of crude was up less than 2%. If you remember, Wednesday was the day in which there was a lot of discussion about OPEC's decision to cut 2 million barrels a day out of their quotas, that cut is not going to result in 2 million barrels a day of lost production because very few companies, countries were making their quotas anyway. But it might result in an output loss of maybe 750,000 barrels a day. That seemed to be the consensus through the markets on Wednesday on discussion about what actually a 2 million barrel cut in in OPEC plus allocations would result in. But I thought that what was going on in the diesel market was more significant because that market was responding, as it has been, to more reports of tight inventories. I don't want to hit you with too many numbers because they are can be a little bit overwhelming, but let's put it this way. The, the uh, inventory numbers that come out on Wednesday showed U.S. inventories for ultra-low sulfur diesel, that's the kind of diesel that goes into trucks, had dropped yet again below 100 million barrels nationally. Now, let me point out that they were below 100 million barrels, let's say, in the spring, in May and June, got back over that number. The fact that they're down below that now is very, very disturbing from the perspective of a diesel consumer. They're not supposed to be moving that way yet, and they were already in a low position. Well, how did it get down there again? Well, we had several things that contributed to that. First of all, demand remains very healthy. There's a figure in those numbers called product supplied. Uh, for distillates, which are probably maybe about 85 to 90 percent diesel, other things in there like heating oil, um, that that number was really strong. Demand is good. The trucking industry may be slowing down, but diesel demand still look good. Uh, imports were down and exports were up. So you put that all together, and we had a draw in inventories. So as a result of that. Uh, we were off to the races in the diesel market. Now, I could be a real stats geek here, and I think I will be. Inventories tend to get compared to the five-year average. What you do is you take the number for this week uh, and, you know, say the, the, the final week of September, and then you take the final week of September report for the pr- five prior years. Recently, you throw out 2020 because that was so bizarre. So you take 21, 19, 18, 17, 16, and then you compare where you're at today to the five-year average. The ULSD number yesterday or you know Wednesday when it was reported was about 83% of the five-year average. That's very low, but it was about 80% a few weeks ago. So, But still, once they crossed that magic number of 100 million barrels, that was really a, a real jolt to the market. And I can tell you here on Thursday as I'm recording this, again, the market's up again. It's not as high, but once again, diesel 
is outstripping the gains in gasoline and outstripping the gains in crude. So we've still got the same structural problem. Diesel measurements against the Brent crude, which is the, the world benchmark, remain extremely strong. And I think we start to have to wonder, and I've said this before, whether we have had a structural change in diesel, whether it's because of more diesel molecules going into marine fuels under the IMO 2020 rule, uh, or not really sure what else it is. I, I, I'm very big on the IMO 2020 rule as a real cause of this, that we've got a structural shift in diesel and diesel will be structurally higher. The spread against Brent will be consistently higher than it used to be in the past. That may just sound like some economist thing. That may sound like just some trader's tool. I can tell you that that spread, you will pay. You will pay for it when you fill your trucks. You will pay for it when you fill your locomotives. It matters. And I think you can look at it, it, the price of crude with a plummet for some reason because of a recession, a global recession, the price of diesel is coming down. But it may not come down as far as crude. And that really, I think, is what we need to worry about these days. Moving on now on drilling deep, you know, automation is the holy grail of trucking and transportation. Really, it's the holy grail of everything. How much can we automate? Uh, how much can we keep our labor costs down, particularly important in a time when labor is tough to find? So when I was approached by Transflow, they wanted to be on Drilling Deep because, as you know, everybody wants to be on Drilling Deep. Uh, and uh, they offered Justin King, who's the chief product officer there, to come on and talk about uh, automation. And, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with Transflow. I interviewed Justin a while ago, though that was on uh, diesel prices, if I remember, Justin. Uh, so we're going to change the subject here and talk about automation. So, Justin, welcome back to Drilling Deep, this time with a camera. Yeah, thanks, John. It's good to good to see you again and good to be on camera this time. So let's talk about automation. I mean, it is a word that can just cover so much. And from the perspective of Transflow, what do you see as the big gains in automation? But first, why don't you talk about what Transflow does? Because it talks about it, it, you do a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. Transflow has definitely, you know, grown through the years. Uh, you know, the company has a long history in automation, uh, over 30 years now. And really, you know, people know Transflow as document automation and document scanning. That was how Transflow really got its start and grew over the years was by, you know, automating back office, back offices for carriers, for brokers. Um, you know, a lot of people have seen the Transflow scanning uh, stations in the truck stops. You know, that was an evolution of the product to allow drivers to self-serve and scan. And then, of course, the latest iteration of our of our uh, document capture capabilities is really mobile app, right? So putting a mobile app in, app in every driver's hands and allowing them to scan documents on the go. So, you know, Transflow has a rich history in automation. And I think a lot of people, when you hear, you know, the name Transflow, you think of, of, you know, um, of document scanning, basically. And, you know, I actually, when I really look at the company, what I see is more than that. It's, it's document scanning true, but we're also in the, in the cash flow optimization business. And by that, I mean by getting these documents in the supply chain faster, getting them approved faster, um, streamlining that workflow, you know, we're able to help, um, help our customers, carriers, brokers, drivers, everyone in the whole ecosystem to get paid faster to, um, and, and to, and to automate and, and save, um, money on their overhead costs as well. So, you know, really what we exist for is for, you know, that cash flow optimization piece of the business. 
All right, so that's the kind of the classic automation aspect of what Transflow does. I, that's that's interesting. I did not realize that there were facilities, physical facilities at truck stops that presumably had the Transflow name on it. And that's, you know, that's a great branding opportunity, obviously. Um, but those are probably going by the wayside for the most part, right? Well, surprisingly, they're still used a lot. We actually have a couple different ways in the truck stops that uh, a driver can get paperwork to us, documents to us. We have uh, a, a product called TripPack, which is actually a, a drop box. So they literally don't have to scan it at all. They just put the documents in an envelope, drop it in the box. UPS comes and picks it up, and then it gets um, sent overnight to our uh, operation center in Louisville. And the documents there get scanned by people. Um, so, you know, there's that, you know, really, uh, really old fashioned way, I guess, of, of getting documents scanned to the scanners and the truck stops. Um, you know, those form factors, if you will, are declining um, in, in place of the mobile scanning and electronic, you know, more electronic capture of documents. But they're still pretty prevalent and it'll probably be many years before they fully go away. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking right now of Netflix. I know what, what you're probably thinking, what's the relationship between Netflix and Transflow? You know, Netflix still has a very big business sending out hard copy uh, CD, you know, CD play, you know, video, video discs to watch movies. It's not all online. And that's a part of the business that isn't going away. And it sounds to me like you're kind of the same thing. So when you reach out to somebody like Freightways, you say, well, we really want to push automation. You, you talked about your core business. Where else can you help the march to better automation in the trucking field? Yeah, well, you know, actually, the Netflix analogy is a good one, too, because, you know, when you think about documents, what what is a document, really? Uh, it's, you know, and why does it matter to, to automate it? Why do we need these documents in the supply chain, right? So to answer that question, really, it comes down to data. And, you know, if you look at a bill of lading or proof of delivery or a lumber receipt or whatever it is, the documents that we're capturing in our system, ultimately what they are is they're pieces of data. And that data is, is extremely valuable to everyone in the ecosystem. It allows them to validate that rates were correct, that goods were delivered, that there weren't any damages or what the damage, you know, they know what the damages were, all of that stuff. It's all data at the end of the day. And so, you know, for us, the evolution of automation is, you know, in one, in one hand, it's going from paper documents to scanning and then having an automated workflow behind the scenes, which has really been the past 10, 20 years. It's been the challenge that we've solved for already at Transflow. The future of what we do is really around then taking those electronic documents now, extracting the data points from them, all of the data using machine learning and artificial intelligence and things like that to, um, you know, to pull that data out and sort it and organize it and index it and all of those things. And then to be able to automate a lot of the processes that otherwise would be manual. So for example, you know, for a reefer load, for example, you know, the, the proof of delivery often requires someone to physically look at it to verify what the temperature was um, of the load when it was delivered. And, uh, you know, for example, that's something that that our OCR and machine learning that we can extract that data and make it, you know, so that only a person only has to look at it if it's out of spec or out of tolerance for, for some reason. Um, so those types of things, that's the future of, of what we what we what we can do. And, um, yeah, and frankly, that's the really exciting stuff, because then you talk about 
automation at a whole different level and data insights, right? What the things you can do with, you know, analyzing lanes and things like that with this data is extremely powerful. How much is the resistance in the road to automation? Uh, how much of it is you simply haven't developed the software to really automate the way you want to? And how much is it resistance in the, the TAM, the total available market? Because they're happy taking their documents and sending them off via UPS, or they're, they're happy going to a transflow physical facility in a truck stop and scanning them. Uh, where's, you, you've got to, you, presumably you have some reluctant buyers out there. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, for us, I'd say the technology's there. I mean, we've built our intelligent automation platform, which does all the uh, OCR and machine learning and artificial intelligence that I've talked about. Um, you know, there's a lot of automation, you know, technology that's available. Um, so, of course, technology is going to continue to evolve. It's not like, you know, what we have is is what you're going to see for the next 10 years or whatever. But, you know, there is an adoption curve. And, you know, it's I, I see I saw it in my prior role um, in this industry as well. There's a lot of legacy technology that exists in transportation. Um there's a lot of custom integration that that happens. So, you know, especially on the upper end of the market where larger carriers, you know, they've built big legacy systems. There's these big behemoth TMSs that they're using that that represent the center of everything for them from a technology, from a financial standpoint, and so on. And these systems, you, you can't change overnight. Like you can't just say, hey, I'm, you know, I want to wave a magic wand and implement this new thing. You know, it's it's challenging. You've got to have a good business case. There's, you know, there's got to be compelling reason to do so. And I think, you know, you see in the industry this gradual adoption of some technology. And I think some of that is due to just that nature of the legacy technology, the deep integrations and and how connected everything is. Um, I think the second thing that you mentioned, too, is an interesting thing, which is more on the on the end user or the driver side there there is some you know certain drivers and you know are resistant to trying new things some of them don't have the right technology some of them don't have a smartphone for a mobile app for example so you know you get you get some of those technology barriers as well but i'd say you know those seem to be diminishing over time pretty rapidly you know uh, five years ago would probably have been in a little bit different spot on that i'd say you know more drivers more and more drivers are getting extremely comfortable with that end user technology, modern mobile apps, modern smartphones and things like that. So um, we're seeing a little less resistance there. Yeah, some aren't, you say some aren't, uh, don't have a smartphone, they're not comfortable with it. How can you survive today? I mean, that's that's where your load boards basically are. That's the fastest way to go. So if, if you're looking for business, I guess years ago, the load boards might've been uh, on a TV screen, right? In a truck stop. Uh, and of course, they, maybe they're still there, I don't know but they've uh, also migrated to the phones. I just can't imagine how you could survive today without a smartphone if you're a driver. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's true. And it's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of mobile apps, you know, the, the there, is a, there is a problem in the industry, you know, that we hear from customers around uh, app fatigue with drivers um, because there there are so many apps. And especially if you, you're talking to, you know, an owner operator, um, who's relying on load boards. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be and, and a lot of different brokers, potentially they're going to be, um, they're going to have a lot of apps that they're using to find work. Um, they're going to have a lot of their own apps that they've subscribed to, to, you know, do navigation and routing and hours of service and, 
and all of these different things that they have to do on the road. All right, let's 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 talk about apathy because that actually was the the other subject that we were going to speak about, uh, and I know that is a very much a real thing. Uh, I looked over some of your your web pages on it, and it sounds to me like you are trying to integrate other apps, not necessarily yours. You you don't write all these apps to do A, B, C, D, and E, but other people do, trying to build them into one app. I mean, I can't help but think about Trucker Tools. I think I'm guessing that's probably a competitor of yours because they try to do the same thing. So why don't you talk about your product that you think uh, would ease app fatigue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, that there's two ways that we think about app fatigue in our mobile app. Um, you know, I'd say first and foremost, there's you know, because scanning is the kind of core piece of our mobile app and because drivers have a preference to use our mobile scanning, you know, versus truck stop scanning um, that we had talked about a minute ago. Um, you know, we believe that our mobile app is a very unique piece of, of real estate, if you will. It's a, uh, you know, we have over 3 million downloads. We have over 800,000 drivers actively using the app at a given point in time. And so the driver's they want to use it, but they also have to use it because if they want to get their invoice and you know documents approved and get paid, ultimately they have to use that app in order to do that. So we are in a in a situation where we are a our mobile app is a is a must have. Like that driver has to use our app. And so then from an app fatigue perspective, how can we then solve the problem that exists that we hear about? Right. So they already have to use our app. So why not? just put more features and functionality inside of our app and connect to other people's services as well. So, you know, we've, we've become an app of apps in a way, a super app. Um, And what that does is it, you know, the driver now can use our app for hours of service. They can use our app for the scanning. Of course, they can use us for, um, for navigation, for way station bypass, for, you know, connecting to their truck stop loyalty programs. Like there's a, there's a hundred things that they can do inside of our app that are either services that we've created and built or um, services that we partnered with others to embed inside of our app. And for us, you know, that that's part one of that strategy. And then part two is a bit longer term and, but it's based on what we were talking about earlier around data and, and automation. And that is eliminate the need to use the app. Right. So using data and the location of the truck, um, you know, rules around that trip, things like that, so that they don't have to go into an app and upload a lumper receipt, for example. Like for we just recently launched an API service where we can connect directly to the warehouse or the uh, lumper payments company and receive that receipt electronically. So that saves that driver the step of having to either hold you know, hold on and send that receipt back to their company or, you know, or have to manually enter or take a picture of that in their app. So one is, you know, become an app of apps. And two is how do we make it so that they don't have to go into the app at all? So those are our two kind of high level strategies on how we're focused on reducing app fatigue. When did Transflow kind of move into the whole app of apps uh, product side? How long have you been doing that? Well, it was before my time. Uh, I've been here for four months. Um, but yeah, you know, a few years ago was when we launched our mobile app. And 
Um, and frankly, it's it's been the strategy from day one. Um, I can't take credit for it because it was the the people who were who were in in charge and running the show at that time. So, but it's uh, the the strategy for our mobile app. You know, many years ago when we launched it, has always been um, to create this kind of marketplace of apps, and and it made sense. Um, and that's how we got into you know the the hours of service and ELD business as well because those two things made sense to put together. Right. So this is really a two-pronged uh, attempt, not pr- two-pronged effort. Number one, you have to build the technology to make yourself an app of apps. And number two, you have to negotiate and reach some kind of agreement with the other app providers that will go into your app. And it sounds to me like they provide most of the technology backbone for still what they do. They're going to be the ones that still do that. But your app then becomes a gateway. That's one model. Yeah. I mean, there's there's other ways that we've connected to partners, but that's one kind of the simplest model, if you will. Um, and, and frankly, we, we do it in a way that, that creates a win, win, win for everybody, you know? So, um, you know, for us, you know, for, for another partner, for example, they may not have as deep of a driver base and carrier base as we have in our mobile app. And so, you know, we offer a lot to partners, um, by way of distribution, um, that could take them, you know, 30 years to get, like we, you know, we, we took us 30 years to get our, our, um, you know, depth of, of distribution. So, um, you know, so it's a win-win for everybody when we, when we partner that way. Right, so the idea here is that you've, you've got such deep penetration from your document scanning capabilities uh, and your document processing capabilities that the idea is you can leverage that penetration into becoming a platform that everybody has to go to for a lot of different things. Is that, a, again, a correct, a, a correct description of what, what you do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at a, at a high level, right? I mean, you think about Again, our mobile app, the, the, the driver, you know, has to use our mobile app for the scanning if that's what the, their company is requiring. So they're already in our app. So it makes sense at that point. You've got a captive audience, basically. And so instead of, you know, if you're some other company, you know, ABC mobile app, instead, you know, while you have your own standalone app and your own go to market, you know, if you partnered with us, you know, we could put your capability inside of our app where you already have the driver's eyes on it. They don't have to, you don't have to market to them. You don't have to, you know, go find them. You don't have to remind them to use the app. Um, it's right there. So that, that's, that's essentially our, our, our model on this uh, app of apps concept. All right. Now, obviously all this takes money uh, and uh, you got a minority investment. I believe last December, uh, from a company called Bregel Sage Mountain. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing Bregel correctly. Uh, and how much of that has uh, helped you, uh, given you, let's say, a new source of funding for you to do? I mean, there's obviously a lot of technology work that needs to go into some of these plans. Uh, how much has that been a real boost to you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a huge boost and will continue to be so, right? Bregel Sage Mountain is a, is a growth equity company focused on, uh, focused on investing in businesses that are uh, poised for substantial growth. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, they've invested in, in Transflow for that reason. I would say the most noticeable uh, impact of their investment in the last, you know, well, I guess it's almost been a year now, but the last 11 months has been um, the changes in leadership. So, you know, you've seen that we've got uh, a new C-suite for the most part, new CEO with Renee Krug coming on, a new CRO and president with Bill Vitti. Uh, got a new CFO, uh, Cameron Eastman, and then I'm the new chief product officer who's come in as part of uh, these changes. And so, and then there's a lot of changes that are happening and new people we're bringing in. 
um, at, at the next level down in the business. And so what you're seeing is a business that in the last 11 months since this investment has put a lot of uh, investment in people and talent um, to execute and come up with a strategy and execute on the strategy to really grow this business. So, um, you know, that's what you're seeing right now. And, and we're, you know, we're like the, uh, the, the, the runner who's ready for that, you know, that sprint or that marathon, just, you know, getting coiled in and getting ready to, to launch. And, and that's where we are right now in that. So it's pretty exciting times. And it's, uh, it is exciting to have the backing of a, of a well-known uh, growth equity firm like this. Well, I mean, certainly if you want your app of apps to be successful, you should build the FreightWaves app in there as well. That's clearly going to be the key to your success. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no comment sure. there. Let's talk to someone over there about that. <laughs> okay, very good. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just an editorial guy. I have nothing to do with that. So anyway, we want to thank Justin <laughs> okay. King. He's the, the chief product officer at Transflow for joining us today. Justin, this is your second time on Drilling Deep. I uh, hope we see you again. Yeah, thanks, John. appreciate it. It was good seeing you again. You have been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the FreightWaves family of podcasts and shows. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms. You can also, of course, see us on FreightWaves TV, either Fridays at 2.30 Eastern or on demand at any time. I want to thank Justin King again for being our guest. I'm your host, John Kingston, and please join us again.